Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. When young people get in trouble with the justice system, there can be long-term and short-term consequences. Fortunately for them, San Miguel County has a program in place that helps to mitigate the consequences while still holding them accountable for their actions. Joining me today to give us a closer look at the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program is Wendy Crank, Director. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Felipe. It's a blessing to be here. Why don't we start with an overview of the Juvenile Diversion Program? Okay, well, our program was started 31 years ago, actually, by our San Miguel County Sheriff, Bill Masters, in order to help kids who just make mistakes some bad choices, but we know that good kids, that's what happens. They make mistakes and they learn from them. So this program was recreated. It's been locally funded, which has really been helpful since we can be more creative with what we do with our kiddos because we have the funding that comes from different stakeholders. So we're not kind of tied to just state funding and kind of check off lists of what we do for each kid. We can make a personal contract and find personal interventions that each family and youth needs. What can you tell us about the program's jurisdiction and oversight? So we actually cover San Miguel County and Uray County in Colorado. We have the most beautiful uh, drive, (laughs) I think, in the world between our offices. We have an office in Mountain Village, which is just outside of Telluride at the ski area. And then we also have an office in Ridgeway, Colorado. And what would you say is the end goal of the Juvenile Diversion Program as far as the young people are concerned? Oh, definitely the end goal is to help the kids feel like they're loved and supported through difficult times, that we still care about them, even though they make mistakes, help them to get over the humps, help them to heal the harm that's been done, not only to the community or to whatever situation or victim that has happened, but also to heal that harm within themselves so that they know that they're good people and move forward to be positive community members. At the offset of our conversation in in the introduction to the interview, I mentioned how it mitigates the, whether it be short-term or long-term consequences of young people that have made a bad choice, as as you said. Can you expand on that? Oh, definitely. We try to get involved as soon as possible whenever we see a kid kind of heading down the wrong road. So we actually take referrals from schools, social services, a family can call us and say, help, I'm having a hard time with my kid. So we can kind of intervene as early as possible. We found that if we let things go too far to where they're actually involved with law enforcement, where their court system, it's a lot harder to reel them in and their boundaries have been pushed out farther. So the sooner we can get involved, the better. We've been really successful by getting involved very early. We usually only have two kids in probation a year, and that's between the two counties. So we're really proud of that fact. We know that once the kids get into the court system, they're not really learning about the mistakes they made um, and owning up to what they're doing. Instead, kind of lawyering up and how to get out of (laughs) being responsible for what you've done. So we really want to get involved with them before the court system. You're listening to Closer Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. My guest tonight is Wendy Crank, 
director of the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. And she's given us some insight into how the Juvenile Diversion Program provides some mitigation for young people who have made mistakes, bad choices, and it helps to minimize the consequences of their mistakes in regard to the justice system. Wendy, when you and I spoke, I think maybe three, four weeks ago, you kind of touched on something that you called restorative justice, something that was being looked at, I think, at that time. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, this is something we're really excited about. So the difference between restorative justice and the traditional way of doing things comes down to three questions. So in the traditional law enforcement system, when someone gets into trouble, the three questions are, what law did you break? Who's responsible? And what is the punishment? So with restorative justice, the three questions is, what harm was done, who is responsible, and how do we heal the harm that was done? So instead of looking at punishing people, we're looking at really processing what's going on with that person, what was the reasons and the thinking behind those actions, really making them understand the responsibility that they have within their families, within themselves, and within their communities, rebuilding that trust. It really sounds like there's some youth advocacy going on there. Oh, definitely. So what we're hoping with this new program is um, we get referrals to the district attorney's office is really conferencing with the youth, the victim, and with the support of their families. And then we have a new program for rethinking substances for kids who get MIPs or have been and gotten ticketing or anything for using marijuana, alcohol, and really processing that with them. We do a pre-conference about what actually happened, and then we do two actual group sessions with the family and the youth and maybe four or five other families to really process um, what is substance use, whether you were interested in using it, how does it affect you, how does it affect your family, and how does it affect the community. And it's been a really great process through the training, so we're really looking forward to integrating that. And does the juvenile diversion program or the restorative justice program, are there requirements for a young person to get placed into it in regard to the offense itself or what he or she needs to do? In the 7th Judicial District in Colorado, we kind of all have been combined with new legislation by the state on our requirements from law enforcement referrals. So those all go through the district attorney's office and are referred to our individual counties in order to keep the data. But we also take voluntary kids. So that means if a family comes to us and says we're having a problem, or if the school comes to us and says, we notice that this kid is really struggling, we can do a voluntary contract. But that would be dependent on the family agreeing to coming into the program instead of being illegally held to be in the program. And once a young person has been placed on either of the two programs, what are you doing to to measure the success of the programs? Well, we have just completion of the different interventions that we offer. So some of them might be restorative justice conferencing. Part of that conferencing is the kid coming up with their own list of what they feel they need to do to heal the harm. So that's part of that processing is not us telling the kid what they need to do. They actually go through thinking, discussing with the victim and what happened, and they come up with their own ideas of what they should do, whether that's volunteering somewhere, paying restitution, or whatever it is that they come up with their list. And so they have four to five weeks to complete their list. We also have classes for kids who kind of move up into a higher level of interventions that they need to complete, whether it's nicotine or 
drugs, alcohol, those kinds of things, individual classes. They meet with a case manager weekly. We check their grades. They're expected to be passing all of their classes. If they're having issues with substances, we give them drug testing. And hopefully by between three to six months, they've been doing things really well and we can exit them from the program. And at that time, we sit down with the family and say, these are the things that have gone well. These are the things that we're still kind of struggling with and some tools to deal with things in the future. We also look at the data yearly. Of course, we have all of our kids. We keep their files until they turn 18. So we track recidivism as far as uh, who has gone on to not get into any more trouble and who has. And at this point, we have a 93% success rate with our kids. I'm Felipe Aguilar, and tonight I'm speaking with Wendy Crank, director of the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. Wendy, tell us about the feedback that you're getting from the young people there, from the community in general. Glad you asked that question. I was looking over our survey that we give out. We always give a survey to the parents and the youth at the end of the program and just looking over some of their comments. One of them said, my personal growth is that I learned a lot of self-control and guidance and it helped with peer pressure and how to deal with it. And one said, my biggest growth while in the program was that I learned how to become a better version of, of myself, especially off of drugs. So both the youth and the parents are telling us that they really enjoy the program. I usually only have one youth that is unhappy with the program at the end. <laughs> there's always um, one. Huh? A, there's always one, right? Um, and, and I have 100% parent satisfaction. I think that they just really are thankful for the support. It's really difficult, especially here in Colorado with living expenses so high. And usually both parents have to work. And it's a struggle to be a parent these days. And so I think that they really just really need the extra support and that other voice talking to their child besides just them and just having that other adult that can help jump in and guide them. Speaking of parents, what type of encouragement do you give to them in, in regard to being involved in the diversion program? Right. We always have our intake meeting with the family. We like to have as many family members as possible in that intake and explaining what we do, our expectations, really discuss the harm or what has happened, explaining what we're all about. And then after that, the youth just meets with us, the case managers individually. And like I said, at the end, we have an exit meeting with the family on this is what we've been doing. This is some things to look for. These are some things that you can do if this kid starts to derail. But we also, within that case management, if we notice there's a kid that's having issues with parents, if we notice they're taking off, not following rules, we'll kind of do what we call kitchen table talks, where we actually go to the home and sit down and help parents hash out some boundaries, expectations, some positive reinforcement, some negative stuff that might need to happen and just kind of lay it out so that they have guidelines to go through as well. And the youth knows that those guidelines need to be helped. We can help parents hold that line so they can learn how to be um, confident with the process. A lot of times we see parents that are overly strict and it's kind of like a horse. If you hold the rope too tight, they're going to buck. And then we have the opposite of the spectrum where parents are, are too loose. And so the kids don't have anything walls to bounce off of. So it's really a tightrope walk every day and it changes every day. So I always tell parents and kids, it's riding the wave, just feeling the water and flowing with it. There's never a black and white answer every day. 
Let's say that a young person has successfully completed whatever requirements were asked of him or her in regard to the juvenile diversion program. What does the mitigation look like in terms of the consequences that have been lessened because of the successful completion of the program? I believe that it's just the strength that they've learned and they've learned what resources they have in the community. A lot of the kids say that they feel they really like the community service that we put them in and a lot of them continue with the community service. Again, that kind of goes back to that restorative justice piece of reintegration into the community because as human beings, we are social creatures and we need to feel connected to our families and to our community. And a lot of times when people are not feeling connected is when, you know, antisocial activity these happen or drug and alcohol use or those kinds of things. So if they can feel connected to their community and needed, I think the best thing that comes out of it. And again, just having that restorative, I'm a good person. I might have made a mistake, but that doesn't mean I'm a person and people care about me. If you just joined us, this is Close to Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. We're talking with Wendy Crank, director of the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. Wendy and young people are going to be mischievous. I have two, they're young adults now, but as teenagers, fortunately, they weren't too mischievous. But, but with that in <laughs> mind, uh, you've been working with young people for, for quite a while. What practical tips could you share with the parents out there to help them to understand what they can be looking for, that their child may be straying from the right path, if you will? Well, obviously, in human development, we know that the teenage years are challenging. They're individuating, they're becoming their own people. And also that frontal lobe has not developed. So you add those two things together and it becomes a very difficult situation. So that's the explanation for the terrible teens. <laughs> right. But the terrible twos only last a year. Teenagers are teenagers for like five or six. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's challenging. I think that it's hard. Like I said, it's a tightrope walk. Because the kids need you to be able to listen and understand where they're coming from and what's going on with them. So they need a friend, but they also need those boundaries held for them. So again, that's a tightrope walk. Um, they need to process how they're feeling. They need to start learning how to solve their own problems without their parents solving their problems for them and feeling that their parents trust them to do that. And sometimes that means the parent sits and discusses those things like, you know, this friend of mine at school is being mean to me and I am taking away my friends and really having those discussions and as a parent, not giving them answers, but hey, remember this? happened in third grade and when this happened in seventh grade, what did you do then that worked and help kind of guide them to come up with their own decisions and really letting them have that individuation and that growth away <laughs> while still being protective, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And again, I'm aware that, that being too strict is not helpful um, and, and being accepting and know that as your children are growing up when they're younger, they learn from their mistakes. We need to allow them to fall and allow them to fix their own mistakes so that they are confident that they can do it as they grow into adults. This is Close to Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. We're talking with Wendy Crank, director of the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. Wendy, up to now, we've been focusing on the diversion program itself. I'd like to just briefly sh shift the conversation a bit because you sound really passionate about what you do in being an influencer to help young people make positive choices. Tell us about the gratification that you get from serving these kids. Oh, well, I guess if you weren't passionate, you couldn't do it, right? 
<laughs> you, it's definitely, like I said, riding the wave. I feel like uh, I've been a parent of teenagers now for eight years. <laughs> and I've got like 50 of them. Um, but I, I really enjoy seeing them when they, when that little spark goes off in their head and they're like, oh, I get it, you know? And a lot of times it's a struggle. If they don't get it, they don't get it. And you have to keep going over and over and over things. And one day they just look at you and say, wow, thank you. I just got it. Thank you so much for being there. It's not giving up on me. You know, I, that's my favorite part of it. And being able to advocate for the kids with their school, with their parents and things, just to kind of be that voice to say, let's step back and listen to where they're at. I think that's my favorite part of my job. I have to believe that you have a, a good array of community partners that are coming alongside you, alongside the young people there in these efforts. Can you tell us about your community partners? Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of my community. Actually, uh, there was just an article that went out that said San Miguel County was listed as the 10th top healthy community in the United States. So I'm really proud of that. That is a great achievement. Yeah, and I believe that it's just, it is because we work so tightly together. We have our social services program. We have Bright Futures. We have, oh my gosh, there's so many. Just for kids, the Telluride Foundation. Um, our individual communities like Mountain Village, Telluride, Uray, Norwood, Ridgeway, everybody really cares. And I feel like because we're so small, we're able to actually handle situations as they come. Um, my philosophy is that what we need creates budgets. Budgets don't tell us what we can do or not, right? <laughs> and I think we're all really flexible and work with each other on that. If we see a need, we come together and say, okay, what can you do? What piece can you do? And how do we solve this problem? So I'm really proud of my peers and the people that work with me, with the kids. And Wendy, as we get ready to wrap up our conversation, is there anything else that you would like to share with us that maybe we missed? I guess with teenagers, just remembering this too soon shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> and um, even though it's difficult, I think the number one thing that parents can do, even though a lot of the times the kids come home and they just go upstairs and shut the door, the number one thing they can do with their teenager is build relationships so that your kid can come to you and talk to you when they're frustrated or scared about a situation. And I tell parents all the time, sometimes it just means, you know what, today we're going to go to the hot springs and sitting in a car and talking all the way there because they can't get out. <laughs> they don't have to look you in the face. Great time to talk to your teenager. So just taking the time to talk, go places, create relationship. And I would say anytime you have an argument or things go bad and that's going to happen, to remember that for every bad conversation you have, you need to have three good ones to heal the harm for parents too. And for those of us that would like to learn more about the San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program or to reach out to you and contact you, what's the best way to do that? My cell phone number is the best way to do that. It's 970-729-2811. Wendy Crank, Director, San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. Thanks so much for joining us tonight here on Closer Look. Thank you, Felipe. Our thanks again to Wendy Crank, Director, San Miguel County Juvenile Diversion Program. For more information, you can go online to sanmiguelcountyco.gov. That's sanmiguelcountyco for colorado.gov and search for Juvenile Diversion Program. Or you can email us at closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at klove.com. For Closer Look, I'm Felipe Aguilar. 
This has been Kalov Closer Look. Find us online at kalov.com.